Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks to David and to Lisa and the, the praise team for taking part so far in our worship service. But we turn now to God's Word in the second half of Ephesians and chapter 2. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, we see that only Jesus can give peace. Only Jesus can give peace. We live in a world where there seems to be endless conflict, don't we? Between nations and between religions, where clearly peace is not there in periods of war and of fighting. But peace is not just missing in wars, sure it's not. Peace is missing in different hostilities through arguments that we might have whenever we turn on the TV to hear about politics and we hear about fallouts, rivalries between schools, sports clubs and shops, between colleagues, we, there might be hostilities or between churches and even church members, between family members. And of course, there is no peace between God and man without Jesus. Because Jesus can only give us peace. Lasting peace is possible because in the first 10 verses of this chapter, we are reminded of the great turnaround in Christ. And because of that great turnaround, the church is able to gather together a diverse group of people, including, including you and me. So let us look at these verses in Ephesians 2 together. Firstly, Paul tells us that we are to remember. We are to remember our roots. Paul gives us a reminder of who we are. Very similar to what he's done in the first three verses of chapter 2. And in verses 11 and 12, it is full of language that indicates our status before we knew Jesus. You'll see some of those words there that we were Gentiles, uncircumcised, separate, excluded, foreigners, or aliens, without hope, without God. And then in verse 13, that we were far away. So let's look at a couple of these. We are people who were excluded. We need to remember that we are people who were excluded. Excluded from citizenship citizenship in Israel. We were foreigners. The Gentiles had no right or privileges to knowing God. They had no right to be a part of God's covenant promises to Israel. Because funny enough, Gentiles are not Jews. Therefore, they aren't members of Israel. They're not privileged to know the God of Israel. They did not have God's word. They were unable to enter the temple. They were unable to go into the temple where God dwells. They were excluded from Israel's blessing. They did not know the covenant of promise from Abraham to Mount Sinai to King David. The promise that all nations will be blessed. But they didn't know. They were excluded from being the people of Israel. Paul also wants us to remember our roots by us remembering that we are separated from Christ. You see that in verse 12, that you were separated from Christ. 
And if we're separated from Jesus, well, we are separated from his salvation as well. This promise of Messiah came to the Jews that this Messiah would bless all nations, but the Gentiles and the Jews, when Jesus comes, are separated from God. The Jews needed to have faith in the Lord God Almighty, as we've seen in Hebrews 11. But now we need to have faith in Jesus, this one who would come. But we are separated from Jesus. Paul wants us to remember that we are separated from him. And well, if we are separated from Jesus, we are people that are without hope and without God. Without hope and without God. The Gentiles did not have the, the knowledge of the promises like Israel did. And therefore, they could not hope in these promises. They had no hope because they were without God. The Gentiles opted for their own gods, their own idols, and they did not listen to the truth. To be without Jesus is to be without hope. To be without hope is to be without peace be without light and life. These Ephesians, as Paul writes to them, he wants them to remember that they were without God. Even though their culture was saturated in gods, was saturated in idols, Paul tells them that before Jesus, before they knew Jesus, they had no God and they had no hope. You might put your hope into, I don't know, NHS, statistics, money, or family, but that is no hope. Only those who know Jesus have hope for the future. That sure expectation of life, eternal life, our purification from all of our sin, and fellowship with God. Only Jesus. You see, before any of us trusted in Jesus... And if you're not trusting in Jesus, this is your position. This is who you are and what you are. Excluded, separated from Christ, and without God and without a hope. That is all our starting point in life. We are in this tragic position, separated from Christ and his people. We can't forget that. We need to remember we need to be writing post-it notes and sticking them up to remind ourselves to maybe get a certain item from the shop. We need to remember this. Remember our roots. We need to remember where we come from. Jennifer Lopez sings the song, Jenny from the Block. And one of the lines in that song is this. No matter where I go, I know where I came from. And while we'd be wise to remember where we come from, not the Bronx or Bali Ronan, but we are strangers, we are aliens, we are separated from God. That is what we need to remember. That because of sin, we are excluded, separate from Christ, and without hope. But Paul continues. He doesn't just tell us to remember where we came from, but he wants us to know what Christ has done in verses 13 through to 18. Christ's work for us. 
David highlighted last week in verse 4, there was two small but significant words, but God. And well, in verse 13, we have, but now, but now in Christ. Paul is going to highlight some of the things that Christ has done for us. We are going to see yet again a dramatic change that Jesus brings about. Because although we are strangers, but now Jesus brings us near. Paul tells us here that through the blood of Jesus, we are brought near at the end of verse 13. Because remember, we were far off, Gentiles, uncircumcised, foreigners, aliens, without hope, without God, far away. And through the blood of Jesus, we are brought near. For the Ephesians, those of them who were Gentiles, and those for the, of them who were Jews, and well, for us, we are brought near by the blood of Jesus. We aren't brought near to God by our good works. We aren't brought near to God by earning favor in his sight. We don't don't bring ourselves near to God by just identifying ourselves with Israel or with the church. The only way to be brought near is the blood of Jesus. His atoning death on the cross, which shows the, the penalty of sin is paid for and that he bore the wrath of God. See, Jesus brings us near and Jesus reconciles. Jesus reconciles. And he reconciles because he is peace. Cast your eye down to verse 14 and onwards, where Paul highlights Jesus as the peacemaker, the peace giver, and the, the peace preacher. In verse 14, he says, For he himself is our peace. Verse 15, that he is making peace. And then into verse 17 that Jesus came and preached peace to those who were far away and those who were near. Jesus reconciles. Jesus reconciles God and man. He reconciles us to God. Verse 16, Paul writes that in this one body, to reconcile both of them to, the God, to God through the cross. Remember, we were hostile towards God. Remember, we are sinners. We have a conflict with God, and God sends Jesus to reconcile us, to be the peacemaker, and to end the conflict. Paul writes in Romans that we have peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus achieves the reconciliation that we need between God and man. But Paul also wants to highlight to the Ephesians that Jesus reconciles with us between God and man, but also with each other. For in Ephesus, they, like us, were from all sorts of different backgrounds. In Ephesus, some were Jewish, some were Roman, some maybe were ex-cons, some were ex-worshippers, some of Artemis, some were ex-magicians. And Paul wants them to know that Christ has a new people, that they are 
reconciled together, regardless of their background, to one new identity. They are Christians. They are the church. Without Jesus, there is hostility between Jew and Gentile. There is this barrier or wall of hostility between the two. And Paul says that Jesus breaks that down. Instead of hostility, there is able to be peace between Jew and Gentile. And it is only possible through Jesus. Think with your mind through Scripture of the Old Testament, of the hostility between the Jews, God's people, and others, the Gentiles. From the Hebrews in Egypt at the start of Exodus, to Mordecai and Haman and Esther, and throughout the Old Testament, there is hostility between Jew and Gentile. And the only way for them to become one, to be united, is in Jesus. Because Jesus is the only road and only way of peace. Jesus reconciles us together. Christ's people are able to live in harmony with one another, to live peacefully with, alongside one another, even though we come from different backgrounds. Because he has destroyed all barriers. He's destroyed all hostility between us because Christ's purpose was to make himself a new people, a church. We are all equals because of Jesus. Paul writes in Galatians, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And again in Colossians 3, in Christ there is not Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Paul wants the Ephesus church to know that they are all equals, regardless if they came from a Jewish background or a Gentile background, whether they are rich or poor, slave or free. They are all one in Jesus. And in Jesus alone is this possible. In Jesus alone is this new identity found. The Jews weren't transformed to be Gentiles or vice versa. It's a new people, Christ's people, his church. It is Christ who brings peace between God and us and between each other. We are reconciled to each other. That's challenging for us, isn't it? To treat each other as equals. For of our sinful nature, maybe we think better of ourselves than others or better of others than ourselves. Are there aspects of your background or others' backgrounds that you use as a barrier to divide yourself from other Christians? That isn't the way it's supposed to be in Christ's church. Maybe in a superficial way, there are some who you think aren't tiny enough or aren't country enough that they don't get it. Maybe it's people's age or their preference in dress or in music during worship. Maybe it is even Union Road or La Comfort. We are all equals together, regardless of where we are from. In America in 1906, there was a revival in Los Angeles 
and many people turned to Jesus. And in the early part of the revival, what was fascinating for the culture as they witnessed many people turning to Jesus was that the people gathered together and worshipped in an old warehouse. And what was unusual wasn't that people gathered to worship in a warehouse, but what was fascinating is that in America, 1906, Hispanics, Asians, black and white, mingled and all worshipped together. Skin color did not matter when the people turned to Jesus. And likewise for Ephesus, slave or free, doesn't matter. For us, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The barriers are broken down by Jesus. We are one in him. Because you see, this reconciliation that we enjoy with one another, it also has an incredible privilege between us and God. Because through Jesus, we have access to God. Jesus gives us access to God. We are able to approach the king on his throne through Jesus. We have open access to our Father in heaven. In verse 18, Paul says that for through him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. It is the Trinity all at work here, just like chapter 1. And that is prayer. It is the conversation with the Father through the Son by the Spirit. It's the ongoing benefit of Christ's reconciliation towards us, that we have access to God altogether through Jesus. We are one community. We have one Father, and we have one access point, and it is through Jesus no other route. It is the same way, the way of eternal life and the way to the Father. Jesus, what does he do for us? He brings us near, he reconciles us, and he gives us access. And then finally, verses 19 to 22, Paul wants us to know who we are now, who we are now of Christ's work for us. Paul gives a couple of images here for us to help us comprehend the magnificence of Christ's work and grace towards us. In verse 19, we are given a new passport. We are citizens of God. We are citizens of God's kingdom. In Jesus, we are no longer strangers, foreigners, aliens, refugees, but we have a new identity, a new citizenship. And with this, there is no second-class citizen because we are all fellow citizens, all members of God's kingdom, where Jesus is king, where God rules over all of his people, and where there are incredible blessings and riches for people to enjoy. Paul writes, during a time in the Roman Empire, where citizenship was prized and craved. Roman citizens had wonderful privileges, and it is a great blessing in certain countries. But Paul says there is nothing like being a citizen of God's kingdom. 
We are now citizens of God. We are no longer aliens or strangers, but we are citizens of God. And not only that, we are God's family. We are family members. Paul goes on to say in verse 19, members of God's household. Not only were we strangers who became citizens, but God brings us right in on, into his house. We are not just under his rule, but we are at the table. We are members of God's house. It's much more personal than just being under the rule of a king, but we are right there with our father. We are family. The same father. We have access to him. We have been adopted by him, as Paul tells us in chapter 1. We all bring glory to your father. The church is not a, a building we go to or just an event that we attend as we watch online. But church is family, living life together on mission for God. Don't treat church like a hotel or at the moment a TV program to fill in an hour and a bit of your day. Or just don't come back if you've had a good experience. Because if you're trusting in Jesus, you are part of God's family. You are part of God's church. Remember, we were dead in sin, but we have a new identity with Jesus. We have a new life. We become his citizens, and we are brought right in to his household. We share the privileges of being in his family. And then finally, the last image that Paul gives us, we need to know that we are God's temple. We need to know that we are God's temple. Paul says here in verses 20 and 21 that the, the foundations of this temple are the, the apostles and the prophets, that this God's temple is built on his words and that Jesus is the cornerstone. And in Jesus... This whole temple is being joined together. The church is individuals united together because they are united to Jesus. And as individuals, we must repent of our sin and believe in Jesus. But Christ makes us a new people, a new community. In this building, we no longer relate to each other just based on our background or because we're in this area, or because we all, always went here, but we live out a unity together in Jesus. It creates bonds that seem unlikely because we are united together in Jesus. We are God's temple. We are being joined together, so we should be looking for strangers to be joining with us, to be reconciled with us and with God and we should be hospitable and welcoming to one another because we are being built together as God's temple. Whenever I was a kid, my grandfather was still doing some building work and during the summer and on Saturdays he would often take me to sites around the country and depending on the stage of the build on some sites Sometimes stonemasons were there. And whenever, so the block work, you can throw up relatively quickly, 
But stone masonry is different work altogether. You take these rough pieces of stone and you have to shape them in order to allow them to fit together and to form the structure of the wall. And I remember as a boy being fascinated because it was like a giant jigsaw puzzle as the two men chipped away at the stone and as they worked it into shape that would allow them to fit the stones together. Well, as God's people, we are being joined together, built together. At times we need to be chipped at. We need to be worked into shape with our holiness and with our worship of God. As we are being shaped, joined together, built together, we are form, forming God's temple. Just remember that God's temple is where God dwells. Paul is telling us that we are God's dwelling place. That Christ that, uh, and his church is the dwelling place of God. That God lives in the church by his spirit, that we are living stones. Isn't that not breathtaking? Remember where we came from. Look at us now in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit indwells us, that the church is the home of God, the dwelling place of God. Who we are now, well, we are citizens of God. We are God's family and we are his temple. We are his dwelling place. Whenever I worked at the camp in America, before you go, you need to fill out a mass of forms, but also uh, complete an interview at the United States Consulate in Belfast. And I remember having to go in for my interview. And interviews take various shapes and forms. And while mine seemed to be relatively serious, You're asked your details, what you're doing with yourself currently, and maybe my chemistry degree flagged up something for them. But they asked a range of questions to see whether I was going there to work or not, basically. I was an alien looking for an extended work visa to be allowed into that country. So a page of my passport is dedicated to my visa stamped and and signed, an official document granting me access to the land of the free. Well, Jesus, he seals us, doesn't he? He grants us access to the land of the free. Free from death, free from sin, free from evil, where we will have peace. There's freedom in Christ. And only through Christ can we become citizens of heaven. Because as we've worked through these verses together, as we've tried to remember, as we have looked at what Christ has done and who we are now, do you see the progression that happens through all these verses? That remember that we were excluded, that we had no hope, that we were aliens and strangers, but Jesus brings us near through his blood because Jesus brings us near through his blood, we are now God's citizens and God's family. Remember, we were separated from Jesus, but we are reconciled to God 
and reconciled to each other by Jesus. And we are now being joined together as God's temple. Remember, we were without God, without hope. But through the cross of Jesus, through his blood, we have access to God. And not only do we just have access to our God, but we are being built as God's dwelling place. God's Spirit is living in us. We were separated from Jesus. We had no hope. We had no God. But Christ enters this world and dies on the cross so that we would be part of God's family, so that we would not just be brought in to be under Christ's rule, but right to his dinner table, that we would share together with Jesus, that we would worship him, and that he would even dwell in us. You can forget about being how far away we were, because now God lives in us when we are trusting in him. Let us respond to God's word now with a prayer of response and confession. Let us pray. Lord God, we are in awe and in wonder of what you have done for us. That we sinners who are separated from Christ because of our sin, that we who have been far away from you, when it seemed, although we had no hope because we were without a God, Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, that we are no longer far away, but you have brought us near. You have brought us right into your family. We praise you for your grace towards us in your Son, that his death pays for our sins. Father, we praise you that we have now been reconciled to you through your Son. And Lord, we confess to you that we don't remember where we came from. We like to forget where we came from. And Father, although we have been reconciled to you, for many of us, we have been resistant to be reconciled to each other through your Son. We confess that there are Christians who hate or greet us, Christians that we dislike. There are those whom we don't see eye to eye with. And instead of loving and respecting them, we despise them. We find it easy to remember he has annoyed us and frustrated us, but we cannot remember that we are one in Christ. Lord, by your Spirit, will you help us, convict us of our sin, and guide us so that we can remember that we together are one in Jesus, regardless of where we are from or what we do. Father, may your Spirit, which dwells in our hearts, mold us into living stones for your kingdom's glory. And we pray through the name that gives us access to the Father because of his death on the cross. Jesus, our Savior. Amen.